The mission of God in the world, that's what we started talking about that last week, and that's what we're going to continue talking about this week. Now, if you missed last week, let me just give you the cliff notes on last week's message so that you know where we're going and how we're going to continue going. <clears throat> um, last week, we talked about the fact that God is on a mission in the world to save the world. Ty mentioned it, to seek and save the lost. And, and one of his first agents, one of his first agencies that God established was the nation of Israel. And, the, and God chose a people group so that they could bless all of the rest of the nations. Not just so that he could have a people and say, well, yeah, this people is mine, but, but for a purpose as his agent in the world. Uh, the, the nation of Israel was to bless the rest of the nations. And then we saw where God sent in into our world a special agent. And that special agent was who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came, he, he uh, lived the perfect life, he grew up just like you and me, he experienced exactly the same temptations as we do, the Bible says, he was crucified, and he rose again, and he conquered sin and death. And then we saw where God has some other agents that he wants to employ on the earth. In fact, you and I, as Christ followers, as Christians, we are God's present agents on the world today a part of this great mission to save the world that he is engaged in. And this morning, we're talking about one specific aspect of that mission. And the word that we're going to be talking about today, uh, you see the, the title there is Agents of Grace. Um, the word that we're going to be looking at today is actually the word evangelism or evangelist. Now, I wonder... Uh, in the heads of those out here who just heard me say the word evangelism or evangelist, what comes to your mind? I wonder what you think of when you think about that. Here's a couple of things that came to my mind. First, um, this picture came into my head. <clears throat> okay? James and Tammy Faye Baker, right? Tele-evangelists. Okay? Evangelist, right? Um, things didn't work out so well. Um, Pretty dishonest people. Um, God did some changing in their lives, um, I know, along the way. Um, here's another picture that sometimes comes to our mind when we think of evangelism. Someone on a street corner with a bullhorn or in some way um, yelling at people. Um, I've experienced evangelists like this before. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't convince me in that 15 seconds when I walked right by them. And, and so, the, the type of evangelism that we're going to be looking at today is not that. And I think this is what we think of when we think of evangelism. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have very many people engaged in the work of evangelism. We think it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Here are a couple other experiences that a, a, a lady had with evangelists. Years ago, my daughter and her friends were downstairs when a nicely dressed young man came to the door. Uh, my daughter's mistake, she opened it. He immediately went into his spiel about his faith and he wasn't hearing her at all when she told him that she wasn't interested. She called me on the intercom and asked me to come downstairs. When I got there, she was crying and her friends were near tears, but he, def but he defiantly stood in the doorway. Um, she briefly told me what was going on. I smiled at him, thanked him for coming, and shut the door in his face. Okay? We've experienced people like that, right? Um, another time, she says, when my kids were pretty young, I'll say under 10, they were all playing in my neighbor's yard and her son and their cousins. My neighbor was washing dishes when she looked up and saw all the kids at her fence talking to two strangers. 
She immediately flew out the door and asked the young men, can I help you? They assured my neighbor that everything was taken care of and that all the kids would be picked up by the bus that following Sunday to attend their church. My neighbor did not suffer fools lightly, and she was an imposing figure. She immediately told the evangelist that under no circumstances were those kids going anywhere with them and that they need to change their tactics. Like asking to speak to an adult before making any kind of pickup arrangements. Now, I certainly don't want to be lumped into that category. And, and I know we don't either. Um, and there are some things about an evangelist that some of our historical examples just don't do justice. Um, that's what people think of. Well, I, I was... As I continued, not all my thoughts about evangelists were negative. Um, this picture came to mind as I was thinking about evangelists. Um, I've been a part of a Billy Graham crusade. I sang in the choir in Cheyenne during a Billy Graham crusade. I was like 12 years old. And uh, the, having a musical family, my mom said, we're going and we're singing. And I did. And uh, it, it was incredible. And, and the thing about a Billy Graham crusade is all the people that are there chose to be there. They wanted to be there. They went there out of their own volition. And it's amazing how incredible it is to watch Billy Graham preach and speak. Um, amazing. Billy Graham has the gift of evangelism. He has the gift. He still has the gift today. Um, I didn't hear it or read it, but somebody told me about uh, 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 something that he had just recently written, and, and it was just amazing. Um, a true uh, evangelist in the, one of the purer forms of the word evangelism. So to begin this morning, um, I want us to answer the question of what is evangelism? Uh, evangelism. Um, and before I actually give a description of that, I first want to say that the Bible is very clear that there is a gift of evangelism. Um, God bestows upon certain people a gift, a special gift, and one of those gifts is evangelism. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Paul says this, But to, to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Jesus gives these gifts, these special gifts, to people as he sees fit. Not all of us get all of them. He picks and chooses who gets what. And then a few verses later, in, in verse 11 and 12, Paul outlines some of the roles that these gifts that he gives lend themselves to. He says, in, starting in verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Ephesians 4:11 through 12. So there is a gift. There is a gift that's given. Jesus grants certain people with special abilities. And one of those is uh, as an evangelist. Now, I read an interesting statistic this week. Barna did a study of churches and of Christians. And in this study, uh, this is what Barna says. Quote, among the interesting facets of the research was that just 1% of believers claimed to have the gift of evangelism. And then he says, which is down from 4% five years ago. So from, from when he took the study, 1% of the believers said, I have the gift of evangelism. Just five years earlier, 4% said they have the gift of evangelism. So I thought about that and I wonder, so uh, if, if this is generally true, then is Jesus only giving 1% of believers the gift of evangelism today? No, I don't think that's the case. 
I think what's happened is we get this thing in our head of what evangelism is, and we don't even look to see if we have the gift in the first place. We just say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not an evangelist. And we don't even do any checking to see if maybe God has, in fact, given us that gift. And so the percentages go down and down and down. And what I want to share with you today, I think, is a very positive message when it comes to evangelism. It's going to get better, trust me. I promised you last week that I wasn't going to heap guilt on today, right? Okay, um, I'm not going to heap guilt on. But here's the, the truth of the matter. And I talked to somebody after first service and he was like, it was like you were just talking to me. Every, everything that you said was like about me. Um, you're probably sitting here this morning thinking that same thing that he did. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I wouldn't even know the first thing to say. Or I'm, I'd be afraid that I would mess it up. Or I might say the wrong thing or they might ask a question. If we even started talking about this, they might ask a question that I wouldn't even know what to answer. What would I do then? What would I do then? And this fear creeps in here. And you, you think to yourself, uh, you're thinking, well, okay, um, from past history and what I know about evangelism, um, it's, it's you know, going to a door, uh, knocking on it, handing somebody the four spiritual laws, talking them through it, um, reading some Bible verses, and then they pray at the end, right? They say, yes, I be- yes, absolutely. I believe Jesus is real. I believe in Him. I surrender right now. They pray the prayer. Hallelujah. Um, they, we just had an evangelistic event right there. That's what, that's what we think evangelism is. And I'm here to tell you this morning that although that may be a small kind of evangelism, um, evangelism is a much simpler, more relaxed version of that. Okay? Um, let's continue on. You, you may think, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm off the hook, right? I don't have to worry about that. I just, I'm just going to worry about my own life and, and, and the gifts that I have in, in, uh, in using them. Maybe it's the gift of hospitality. I'm just going to be hospitable to people, right? There, there are people here who think that. Um, I, I've got these certain gifts, and I just only have to worry about that. Now, what is evangelism, really? Okay, what is evangelism really? Well, let me just give you a simple definition. The Greek word, which is translated evangelist in your New Testaments three times. Okay, the word evangelist appears. Uh, the Greek word for that is euangelistasi. Okay, euangelistasi. It's where we get the word evangelism, right? Okay, here's what that means. It means a bringer of good tidings. That's it. An evangelist is somebody that is a bringer of good tidings. Boy, do I have some good tidings for you this morning. Anybody have a cold in here today? Um, Yeah, I heard that cough. I heard that cough. Let me tell you about the most amazing medicine I've ever found on the planet. It's tried and true. This was probably invented before I was born. Alka-Seltzer Plus. Not just Alka-Seltzer. No, this is Plus. And let me tell you what. When I had a bad cold, I took this stuff and it, it d- did away with my nasal congestion, my runny nose. I didn't have any aches and pains or a headache. It all went away. Now, how often have you told somebody that kind of good news? Think about it. Be honest. You have something that you have found in your life over the last five years that you bank on it. 
You got a cold or you think you're getting a cold? Take this or do this or eat this, right? For me, it's popping vitamin C. If I think I'm getting a cold, I pop some vitamin C and it just, it cures me, right? Is that good news? If you had a cold, wouldn't you want to hear that if you just uh, melted two of these things in a really disgusting looking thing when you pour it down your mouth, right? That it will fix that. Isn't that great news? Have you ever been nervous or afraid to tell someone that you have some good news, that like a cold medicine, or, or you drive the best car that you've ever experienced? You know, it's got a ride. Oh, you've got to get one of these. Right? Um, you ladies, I, I've, I've heard ladies tell my wife, um, oh, if you get this thing right here, it will make cooking so easy. You just put a pot roast in this thing and you put the lid on and you stick it in all day long and it comes out wonderful. You don't even have to put any seasoning in it. It comes out with gravy in it. You don't have to put it in it. It just comes out that way. It's good news. Evangelism is talking about good news. That's what evangelism is. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good news, isn't it? That's, that's pretty good news. Uh, what about the fact that God came to rescue the human race? You know, if I was lost and I needed rescued, I would want to know how I can be rescued. That is incredible good news. The fact that we have a high priest, I mentioned already, who knows and has experienced all the temptations that we have ever experienced. You know, have you ever sat down with somebody and said, you know what, I, I, I don't know exactly how you feel, but you know, I know for me, if, if, if there's somebody who's lost a parent, I lost my mom when I was 19 years old, I can sit down with that person and I can say, you know what, I, I don't know exactly how you feel, but, but I have a pretty, idea, a pretty good idea about some of the things that you're feeling. Can I share with you a little bit about that? Can I tell you what, what, what really helped me pull through that hard time in my life? That's good news. The fact that God is the great healer, it's good news. And evangelism is seeing the incredible things that happened and are happening in our lives and just sharing them with people as we walk through life together. The people we rub shoulders with every day, people that are struggling with life. And see, the, the interesting thing about this is that, that you have special gifts and you have special experiences. And, and you know people that are going through some of those same things. In fact, you might be walking the road of life with them as you go through that. And if evangelism is the bringer, or an evangelist is someone who brings good news, that's you. You can bring good news into this situation. You know, and some of that good news is, is good news that you have experienced yourself personally. Because sometimes we say, well, what if they don't believe me? You know, what if, what if, what if they don't? That shouldn't make you afraid of sharing the good news with them, right? If I tell you, I know there was people shaking their heads out there going, that never works for me, right? You know what? Well, that's, that's your decision. You know, but I'm telling you, my experience, and we have all kinds of those things, right? My experience was when I was sick and my nose was just running, my face looked like a glazed donut, right? <laughs> I took this. And it stopped it. Now, you can't look at me and say, no, it didn't. It didn't work for you. You can't say that. You know, people cannot believe it. You know, you cannot believe it. But what I'm telling you is the truth. And it's good news. And, and in some of those cases, it's like, oh, I just pray and pray and pray that they will believe it. 
that they will believe it because it is such incredibly good news. Evangelism is talking about good news. And, and as we live our lives with Jesus Christ and, and He speaks truth and goodness into our lives and gives us a sense of peace through the midst of, of hard things that we go through and, and, and He just fills us up and our cup of that begins to overflow and it spills into the lives of other people. It will happen. It will happen naturally. Well, the Bible says also, number two, that we are all agents of the good news. And we talked about this last week. Um, if, you did, if you missed last week's message, I'd encourage you to go online and, and listen to it um, on, the, on the church website. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but, but the fact of the matter is we are all called to be agents of the good news, the gospel. Um, you might say, well, that was only the apostles, right? It was only the apostles that received that. Or it was only the, the, the preachers or, or whatever. Well, um, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 up here on the screen. But you, Paul is saying to Timothy, who's not an apostle, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I think it's safe to say that Timothy didn't have the gift of evangelism. But Paul is saying, you know what, Timothy? Do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. The angels that appeared before the shepherds, they were evangelists. They were bringing good news. Paul was a bringer of good news. The disciples were bringers of good news. All of the people in Acts chapter 1 that we've looked at the last couple weeks are evangelists by nature. And why is that? Because... Because Jesus Christ has changed their attitudes and their hearts and their minds. And as they are living life together, as we see in Acts chapter 1, they're eating meals together. They're sharing their possessions with one another. They're caring for one another. They're helping people who can't help themselves like we did yesterday. And what does it say happens in the end? God added to their number daily. God added to their number daily. They're looking at these people, and in some, of the, in some ways, they be, may be looking at these people and go, those are a bunch of freaks over there, right? What, what's with all this? They're selling their possessions and giving it away to their friends? Who does that? In our culture today, people would be saying that. Now, that's not the message we hear. But, but people are drawn to that. They, they look at that and they see the sense of peace and freedom. Um, they're not having to follow the, the law anymore. That's not how they get their salvation. And, and people are looking at that going, wow, you know what? Maybe there is something to that. Maybe, maybe that is real. I wonder what kind of power in their life that is. And, and they begin to have opportunities. And it says, and this, this is incredible, God added to their number daily. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. That really takes some pressure off for me. God's the one that changes their hearts and minds. I don't have to. I'm just the bringer of the good news. I'm, I'm just giving testimony of what he's done in my life to the things that, that I've experienced and that are true for me. God's going to do the heart changing. It's not up to you and me to convince this person. God does the changing. God does it in his power. So we are all agents of the good news. We are all called to be evangelists. And a great calling that is. Um, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5.19. 
uh, through 21, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Is that good news or what? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. All who believe, all who are disciples of Christ are ambassadors. We are, we are evangelists. Uh, remember what Peter said to us last week. Peter says, once you, were, uh, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Good news? Amen. We have been cured from the eternal consequences of our sin. We have been saved from hell. And as we saw in the second look video this last week, it's not that, that Jesus is just saving us from things, you know, which he is, but, but he's also saving us for things, for his mission. Um, he, he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be, na- should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We receive wisdom and are able to share it with others as well, according, verse 11, to His eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God has saved us. Jesus has saved us so that we might approach God in freedom and confidence. We've been saved for a deeper relationship with our Creator. And in the midst of that deeper relationship that we experience, it spills out into the lives of other people who then can also experience a deeper relationship with their Creator. Good things. I want you to, I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of it uh, simply as sharing the good news of Jesus Christ as we stand in the aisles of life. Okay, think about that statement. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ as we stand in the aisles of life. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you at salvation, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they're really long aisles. To the ends of the earth. Um, someone... Uh, a friend of mine, a relative of mine actually, um, told me he was standing in, in Walmart last week. And he was standing in the printer, the printer aisle. And there's this guy standing there, and this guy has this printer cartridge in his hand, and he's looking at this vast array of printer cartridges. And he's looking at the cartridge, and he's looking there, and, and he finally finds the one that, that he needs to replace his printer cartridge. Total stranger. He's never met this guy before. This guy turns to him and he says, Are you kidding me? 46 bucks to replace my printer cartridge? And then he goes on, and he says, I could buy that printer over there for $35. The whole thing! So, well, now already being kind of sucked into this conversation with a stranger, right? He proverbially, proverbially puts his little blue vest on because he knows a lot about printers happens to, and a lot about cartridges. And he begins to engage this total and complete stranger in a conversation about printers and accessories. Why? Because he, I don't know, maybe he's really passionate about printers, but um, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that he knows a lot about them. And he's like, yeah, you could buy that one for 35 bucks, but that all kind of depends on what you use your printer for. 
I mean, that one doesn't scan, and that one doesn't do this. So if you need your printer to do these kinds of things, then you, you need to stick with your printer, and you need to just buy that, that ink cartridge. And, and I can't help but think, by the end of their conversation, the guy, whatever his decision was, he was kind of happy to make that decision, because that was the best decision that he had to make. Can we have conversations about good things about Jesus Christ in the same way? Absolutely. Now, I'm one of those types of people. Now, we all have different gifts, right? We all have different personalities. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. I'm sort of an extrovert. There are... I just made that up, by the way. Um, there, there, are, there are times in my life when I just, I just... I can't be around people. I don't want to be around people. It's, it's like I'm on, I'm on overload. But there are other times where um, my kids, I go into a store and... Um, um, my kids will be like, Dad, don't say anything to anyone. Because <laughs> I'll be standing in an aisle and there'll be somebody coming along and they'll, they'll be looking at something, you know, I don't know. I, or the first service I use shampoo. I'm such an expert in shampoo. Um, but, you know, if they were kind of looking a little dazed or a little confused about something, I would probably look at them and say, so having trouble making a decision? I mean, I just would. And then the next words they say determines whether the conversation goes forward or not, right? If they give me this nasty look, like, who are you and why are you talking to me? You know, I won't tell you what my favorite shampoo is, I guess. <laughs> but if they say, yeah, man, I'm just really having a hard time. My wife sent me here and she wanted me to pick out whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me tell you how to fix this problem. Call your wife on the phone. Tell her to take a picture of the shampoo bottle. And then you could just match it up to the shampoo, right? Okay? It, it, it's, just, it's just natural for me to have conversations like that. It might not be natural for you. And that's okay. You need to understand that you have the gifts that God wants you to have. He's given them to you for a specific reason and a specific purpose. So let's move on to point three. Um, because we're all agents, and we're all called, and we're all to be evangelists. And what I want you to hear is that this is not a scary, fearful thing, to be an evangelist. Num point number three, evangelism is a team effort. Evangelism is a team effort. Open your Bibles, turn to your Bibles, in, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one from underneath the, the seat in front of you there. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 5, 6, and 7. First Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. This is Paul talking. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So the pressure is off. God does the work, but we are still called to bring good news. And in bringing that good news, we're doing one of several things. Planting seeds, watering, fertilizing, there's uh, cultivating. And whatever gifts you have are that way. You see, God uses all of our gifts to proclaim the good news. Every one of them. Um, Paul uses the body as an illustration several times. 
And he says, you know what? The body of Christ is like a human body. We're made up of all of these different parts. You know, um, somebody overhears a finger and somebody overhears a foot. Somebody back there is an eyeball. Okay, now if you were all just in here by yourselves, you'd look pretty silly. But, but when you're put together in a full body, it makes sense. The body can function properly. Paul says that if there's a part of the body that isn't functioning properly, the whole body suffers. If you get a bug in your eye or you, or you sprain your ankle, the rest of your body doesn't really work like it should, does it? If you sprain your ankle, you, 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 you walk funny, your hip kind of gets sore because you're putting more weight on one foot than the other. You can't do the things that you could normally do. People that rely on you, you know, to help you, whatever, win football games or volleyball games, they suffer because, because of you. You're not, you're not whole. You're not healthy. It's the same way about being evangelists. Because we all have different gifts. And there are all kinds of different people and personalities out there, right? So some of you who, who are really, really, really good at hosting people, you know, you have the gift of hospitality. Let me tell you a secret. You can use that gift to bring good news, to proclaim glad tidings. Um, there's some of you in here who have lots of energy and you love serving people. You just, you're just constantly looking for people to serve and to help. Well, don't just serve and help for for service's sake, but recognize that the reason you have that passion in your heart is because God has given it to you. And in using that, there are conversations and instances where you can just testify to the fact that, that you just love doing this because you know how much Jesus did for you. I mean, it can become really natural and just flow out. Maybe there's, there's I know there's people in here, you're analytical people. You just like to think things through and it's got to be a logical progression. Um, and and, and you, you, you love to have a good debate. You like that. Um, you, you, you want to be convinced of something with all of the facts and all of the systematic whatevers that make up that truth. There are people out there that need Jesus. They need to hear the gospel in that same way. You are gifted in that way. You can proclaim the good news in that way. Because we rub shoulders with different personality styles all the time. We have different personality styles. And, and um, as you work through the progressions, I can't wait until you take Discover 401. Because Pastor Dick and Rachel Hawley are going to help you see um, after you find out what your gifts are in 301. Is this the first time you've heard of this? Okay. I just, I just keep looking. You have this big smile on your face. And, um, well, I was pretty sure she knew, but I, 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 I don't know. Um, you're going to look and after you go through 301 and you know what some of the gifts you have are and then you match those up with the personality style that you have you, you can find a way in which you can just naturally as you're walking the aisles of life share the good news of the gospel with your friends and your neighbors and your family the final point this morning is this evangelism is more of a process than one single event and I think this is the thing that I want you to leave here with today. You know, because again, as we looked at the sort of the historical view of what evangelism is, that you sit down, it's a one-time event, the person um, believes, receives, prays, is converted right there in that moment, that's what evangelism is. And I'm here to tell you that, that I don't think that's the case. It's more of a process 
than a single event. Again, look at what Paul says. You know, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. God made it grow. That's what? That's a process. And to me, that takes the pressure off. That removes the fear. You know, I'm just one piece in this long conversation that's God, that God is having with this person to draw them to Himself. He uses each one of us as different instruments in His hands on the planet. Now, there's a man by the name of James Engel. He was a missionary with Youth with a Mission, and he came up with this description of evangelism. And, and, and this is what he said. It, it, it helps us see that it's really, truly a process. He said, okay, um, let's, let's think of our journey of spirituality as the alphabet. And right here, we have had at A, it's a person that has no contact with God. Okay, no contact with God. And then we're going to look at Z down here, and Z is um, conversion. This is when they believe and surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Okay? The old way of thinking about evangelism is that we have to get them from A to Z in this one conversation. That's not evangelism. Um, I, I want, let's see, uh, if you're a farmer and you're sitting in here, or a rancher. You have conversations with people every day. Um, God has been blessing us with incredible moisture here lately. You have a conversation with Joe. Okay? Joe. Joe doesn't believe. Okay? No contact with God. But in his conversation with you, because he might be a farmer himself, um, he has a, con, a conversation with you right here, Mr. Farmer. And you tell him about the goodness of God. You don't make a big deal of it. You're just testifying to the goodness of God in your life. He doesn't, know, he doesn't either agree or disagree with you. It just is, it's, it's in the, the natural, fluid conversation of your life with Joe. And then Joe gets sick and he goes to the hospital. And Joe has a conversation with a nurse. She has to give him some sort of medicine. And I had a conversation with a nurse this week. And she said, I use that as an opportunity to, to talk to people. And it just naturally happens. I, I, she she um, installs, she puts pick lines in, you know. And, and she's like, she's with them for several hours. And not all the time, but once in a while, one of the people will say, you know, I'm just really struggling with how much pain there is in life or something like that. And there's this, just this little open door. And she just taps the door a little bit with her foot and asks for permission or says something like, you know, um, yeah, there is a lot of bad stuff in this life. But, but you know what? God's really been showing me that there's a lot of good stuff too. And the conversation can just flow. And there's this opportunity to be an evangelist, not to get them to Z, although that could happen. But there's no pressure to because God's the one that does the growing. We do the bringing of good news and the testifying. Well, let's say Joe gets healed and then he makes a really bad decision and he ends up in prison. And he runs into a prison guard. We have them in the church. 
And in the process of conversation, the prison guard is telling um, Joe about, it just comes naturally. I don't know why. God's drawing Joe to himself. And this prison guard left work that morning. He said, Lord, I know it's not about me. It's about you. Let me do your work today. And as he has this conversation with him, God leads him into a place where the prisoner says, man, I'm just really struggling with this. Or so-and-so said this. Or you know what? Way back, way, way back a long time ago, this friend that I had, he said something about God. Could you tell me anything about that? I don't know what it looks like. It could be a thousand different things. And then, and then let, and so the prison guard, he's, he's just using his gift. You know, maybe he... Is, is the one that talks about sin and repentance because it's, it's in the realm of prison. I don't know. And then finally, right down here, that prisoner goes to a chapel and there's a pastor there that is true to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he presents him with this decision. And Joe says, I believe. Now, who's the evangelist? Is it only the chaplain? No! It's anybody along this continuum who is the bringer of good news. So every one of us sitting in here, we're all evangelists. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are. God wants to use you and your gifts to testify to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. It's a process. And I just want to challenge us all to be in that process. In closing, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Because each one of us has been called individually. I I would guess that for probably 99% of the people in this room, it wasn't a one-time encounter with somebody who explained the good news of Jesus Christ to you in a gospel tract or something, and you believed at that moment. I would guess, that pro- I, I, would, I would be as bold to say that almost 100% of us in this room had multiple contacts with people who along the way were testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ, and finally there was that day when, we were, when God had us at the right time, at the right place, and He had the right person there. And they were the ones... That, that had the joy and experience of hearing that person profess the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. But there were many, many people involved in that. Let's close with this. Romans 10, 10 through 15. Maybe we might think on this this week. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Good news? Amen. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Hear this this morning, please. Because every one of us here, I don't care if you're baby Christian, newly believed, or you've been a Christian forever. Well, that's not true. But for a long time. I don't care what age you are. It doesn't matter. 
we can all give testimony to the good news that we've experienced. And I pray that we would see it not as something scary, but something as natural as walking the aisles at Walmart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your mercy and grace in my life and just the changes and the growth that you've done in my... and, and that you continue to do even, even today, even yesterday. And Lord, I pray that if there was anybody that walked in this room today and they were feeling guilty because they, they, haven't been, they haven't been a good evangelist or they haven't been evangelizing people, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would hear from you today that they can, that they can be bringers of good news guilt-free. That, that the pressure is off. It's up to you to change that person's life. And I pray that you would give us, I pray that you give us understanding and, and courage as we think about conversations or we think about people that, that we love or we think about this continuum up, continuum up here. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that, that there are conversations we have and, and people in our life that, that we're just... God, you've called us to, 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 to take that person from, from J to M. And, and that's our part. And that's okay. Uh, ultimately, Lord, help us to see the goodness of life in Christ and that that goodness and that relationship with you will flow over into other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we close our service this morning, the ushers are going to come and they're going to pass the offering plate this morning. And 